0: So I'm uh, going to be sharing from Mark this morning, and you can go there right at the start if you like. Didn't anyone see that Hillsong uh, Church won a Grammy this week? I find that, like, and for the song "No Other Name," no less, which um, in all sorts of ways, like, I don't know how I feel about, like, it, it's, but it is such a crazy thing to reflect on in our world right now that like that song would with that level of influence a church in our nation with that level of influence on the world stage and a song that declares the name of Jesus that, like that's awesome and um, and I think sometimes though the, the reason I don't know how to feel about that Um, is because I think sometimes we see that as the end game. We see that as the goal. Successful Christianity. We want to win the world instead of winning the world for Jesus. We just want to win. And it's nice to have a win, right? I know uh, know, we've had a few rough weeks and it's nice to have a good week. Uh, It's really encouraging for me after, you know, some uh, tough days to to have uh, a message of encouragement. It's really uh, nice when you've had a hard day at work, when you finally get something through and, you know, it has, um, it comes out how you want it to and, you know, finds all the favour in all the right places and as Christians it's only natural that it's nice to have the You know, accolades of the public and people recognizing how good, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, even on a community scale. I am encouraged every time, you know, the Salvation Army or Centrelink or the Red Cross refer people to our church because I see that they recognize the good that the church does. That, you know, for me it's a win, and I have to be careful to remember that actually it's because we want people to see who Jesus is, not just the good that we do. That's why I think of all the songs through all the years that have had all the success, I love that it was a song that said there's no other name but the name of Jesus, and God has a sense of humour like that, (laughs) I think. And so I called my message this morning an everyday message because the other reason I don't know how to feel about stuff like the success that sometimes we in the Christian world can get um, is because Jesus didn't necessarily go about things that way and di- certainly wasn't the end game. And so uh, we see our Saviour Come in the most humble way to the most normal people in the midst of very ordinary circumstances, just with the breath of the supernatural upon him. And so. This I don't think is an accident or just God being ironic for the sake of being ironic but actually a message to us that his message isn't just for the stage and it isn't just for the Grammy Awards and it just isn't, isn't just for the mega church and it isn't just for the successful or the elite or it isn't just for the wins. But this message is an everyday message for everyday people to be shared by everyday people. And our Saviour chose a way to go about things. Our Saviour chose a way to share his message that demonstrated how we could be everyday messengers just like he was. So we see in Mark chapter 1, Jesus uh, has been baptised and starts to call the disciples, starts to declare that he has a message and asks people to come and learn what that message is. And I'm just going to read from verse 29. It says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. And then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons and did not allow them to speak because they knew who he was. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, he said, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, We must go to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too, because that is why I came. So he travelled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So while this is a very everyday message, we can see that there's obviously a supernatural element. There's a message that he brings that is more than everyday. It's more than something that's explained in the natural. But it's certainly not above anyone or out of reach of anyone. And that's what I think this whole chapter even, actually the whole book you go through and he's in everyday places with everyday people and so sometimes we read this story and we read about how he reaches out and says sit up to a lady in a bed but it's not the king's wife and it's not the leader of their nation and it's not you know some person of great influences, it's a fisherman's mother-in-law Everyday people. And then he goes from one place to another in Galilee. Galilee is a working class area, as incredibly beautiful as it is. It's not the... um, Like there's... Caesarea which is like the port city where all the people came to um, you know to enjoy life that would you know be like the the Las Vegas of uh, of the time and then you know that it's not the um, it's not the Jerusalem where all the um, politics goes on it's not the you know it's not the places that you would think that you would immediately go if you were beginning to take a message And yes, he ends up in those places, and ultimately, in Jerusalem where he's crucified, that's a whole other message for a whole other day of what real influence is going to look like. But he starts in a very everyday place. And I think the important uh, thing to bring out of this word this morning is that it's not for the Hillsongs to declare at the Grammy Awards that Jesus is Lord only. But it's for us, in our lives, in everyday places, to a fisherman's mother-in-law, to be able to operate in the supernatural in a way that brings healing and restoration to someone's life in such a simple way that matters to just one person that maybe not the whole world needs to see. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message we're called to bring to those around us. This is the life as Jesus' followers that we're called to lead. Because if we are his followers, then we should go about doing the same things he does and we should ask the question, what did he say that he came to do? We know what he said he came to do. We could go to the place where he opens up Isaiah 61 in the temple and says, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to bring healing to the brokenhearted. We could go right here where it says, We must go on to other towns, talking of going to spread his message because that is why I came. So if we, as his followers, decide that we're going about anything other than what he said he came for, then we need to revisit and reconsider our priorities and begin to learn from him what he said his priority was. What is the message? Because sometimes I think we take this and we want to go stand on a street corner and tell people that without Jesus, they're condemned to hell. We want to bring some kind of message of fear and condemnation when he himself said, I've come not to condemn the world, but to save it. And if that was the gospel that we're called to go and preach, and this is why I wanted to call this message the forgotten gospel, but I didn't just because I felt like I'd maybe be misinterpreted as saying there's some other gospel, which is not what I'm saying. I'm saying we've missed half the point when we think or when we haven't actually figured out what the good news that he came to preach was. It isn't what I think that we've put all the focus on before. It is that he's come to save. He's come to heal. He's come to restore. He's come to make all things new. It is actually, as it says in this chapter right at the start, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. This is the good news that he came to share. There's another verse I want to share. See, sometimes we think that that good news only began when he died on the cross. But he begins preaching the good news even before he goes to the cross. So we know that it's more than. Yes, everything is culminated in the cross. And this is why I didn't want to confuse or or try and suggest like there's any other message. There is no other message. But what I'm saying is when we only take one bit. See, I believe that when one of the ways that the enemy works, when he can't, when we can't deny the truth or when the truth can't be denied, See, we know that he died and was raised to life again and there have been so many attempts to prove or so many attempts to question that and we know that it is not questionable. Even historians and even those that are academics struggle to bring any kind of argument against the fact that a man called Jesus was alive and was put to death on a cross and that historical accounts speak of his resurrection. So when the truth can't be questioned, one of the tactics of the enemy is to give us or to restrict us to a partial truth, that we wouldn't see the whole picture. And if you look at church history in the ways that parts of the fullness of God have been held back from the church... Over the years, where he can't distort the truth, parts of it are hidden or rejected. Parts of it are stripped away. And we look at the church through history where things like even the power of the Holy Spirit has been, you know, taken a back seat or things like baptism became something that they, you know, and they've had to be restored to the church over the years as God brings about a fullness, a restoration of all the things that he intended in his kingdom. And one of the things about this message, when we get the focus wrong or when we take one bit out and forget the rest, we're missing so much of the power of what God came to do. See, he didn't just come to save us for eternity after we die. He didn't just come to reconcile us to himself on the day that we, you know, face after death, but he actually came to save the world. The good news that he preached, the good news that he came to declare was that the kingdom of God had come to earth. This is the good news. And if, you know, if you question it, jump in and have a look at every time in this, even just the Gospel of Mark, every time that it mentions the kingdom of God, the secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God looks like. And it's all about things that is healing, restoration, bringing things back together the way that God had intended, restoring creation, the way that God had first set out in the Garden of Eden where everything was right. So Jesus takes this message. And yes, we see everything that he lives, teaches and is on the cross at Calvary. And in the resurrection, we see the hope of the future. But when we miss the message and just focus on it being an exchange, like a payment, and that is one of the metaphors used in the Bible, but sometimes we get so caught up In just that, we miss all the other things that he speaks about life. The hope of the world is Jesus. And he takes this message not to kings or councils, not to the religious elite, but to everyday people. Do you believe that God is good? He is. Do you believe that God has always been good? I think sometimes we think that God is good because Jesus died for us sometimes we get stuck there and imagine that maybe up until then he wasn't. I want to read the words of David from the Psalms. This is before Jesus is born and this isn't prophetic. This is this is David's expressing who God was to him. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God for he is gracious. A song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and gives them all their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to the uh, to our God. He covers the heavens with clouds and prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He gives animals their food. He de- his delight is not in the strength uh, of the horse or chariot, nor is his pleasure in the speed of a runner, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, uh, in those whose hope is in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord. God is good and has always been good. David knew that God was good. Jesus showed us in his fullness how good God was and God is. The good news was the goodness of God and all that he had meant for humanity's relationship with himself was being made complete, established, begun in the world by his coming to earth. The good news is all that goodness that David sang about in the Psalms, all the goodness of God that the prophets spoke about, all the justice and righteousness that he he embodies had come to earth. That is the good news of the kingdom that he came to preach. So if we think... But the good news that we need to go and preach is to go and tell people that they're wrong and they need Jesus. We've missed half the point or probably most of it because by the time you get done with those statements, people are done with us. We've got a bunch of things left in our letterbox. And they're from, I guess, a well-meaning individual who has very strong feelings about uh you know who god is and and what people need to do and and didn't really tell me anything about the goodness of god other than the fact that you know if we did the right thing you know in the end we'd be okay and go to heaven and like some like really intense stuff. I I just imagine as someone who has no biblical background or understanding of Jesus or knowledge of God or experience with a church that, you know, has loved them or reached out to them and all the things that help us to know that God is good and they open up this, it's not preaching the good news because when we take parts out and set them aside it's What actually I find incredible is that as Christians we've come like, to, to rely on this kind of fear tactic, thinking people won't respond to God unless we use the fear of what might happen if they don't, when incredibly one of the most common sayings in the Bible is, Fear not, for I am with you. Have no fear, be at peace. The message of God is not fear. In fact, perfect love casts out all fear. And so when we hear this challenge to preach the gospel, remember, church, that it is to live the way that Jesus lived, demonstrating the love of God in a way that reveals the goodness of God that came to earth, that was the good news. So in a whole roundabout way, that's all I'm saying is when we hear the call to preach the gospel, it's a call to love people in a way that reveals Jesus to them. but we must hear the call. And sometimes that's the next place where we fall down. We experience the goodness of God and we know who he is and we know that there is a call to preach the good news and that's why we rejoice when we see Brooke, whatever her actual last name is, Fraser on a stage. (laughs) Anyone who's ever read it, it's like weird. On a stage declaring that the name of Jesus is above all names because we know that it's good and it should be done, but we certainly don't want to do it because it's uncomfortable. And it is. But as followers of Jesus, our call is to go to the places that he went. And the places he went were the people who were near him and God in all his wisdom came in a way to demonstrate to us that it wasn't that you had to reach the palace but sometimes the message takes you there and it wasn't about reaching places of worldwide influence but sometimes the message takes you there and it wasn't about the crowds even though sometimes the crowds gather but it was about meeting people on the street. We often see Jesus go to busy intersections where he would meet and talk with people not preach on a corner and y- but actually he encounters people individuals where he goes and speaks to them yes he spoke to the crowd when they gathered for him but he didn't jump up and you know in a random place and and require them to listen to him without having they came to him because of the way that he loved people they came to him because of the healing that flowed out of his life they came to him because he, of the teaching that he bore and the things that they saw going on around him and he started in places like the house of a fisherman's mother-in-law This message is more than he died for our sins so we could go to heaven. This message is the good news, is that the kingdom is at hand. And the good news is that if you have accepted Jesus and have become a follower of his, then you carry the kingdom into the world then you are beginning to make that real to others in the way that you live and the way that you love and sometimes in the way that you speak. See, sometimes we have to go like Jesus where he spent time doing the things that he did but then he also spent time and was intentional to go to places to take the message that he had. And church, we have a message and we have to go. And that means going to our neighbour and finding out what their needs are and being able to love and serve them or going to our work friend and actually bothering to build a relationship, a connection that they might be able to ask us about the things that we know will be able to have conversations with them about the goodness of God and about God's hope for the world. See, I don't find the gospel so hard to take to people now. When it, The only way I knew how to preach it was fear. Then it was hard because it didn't really feel like good news. But all of us know When we're not in relationship with God, that we're separated from God. That there's something not right in our lives. We don't need to be told that. What we do need to be told is who He is and how we can connect with Him. And so we need to go. And declare the goodness of God like David did singing a song about all the things that God was. And for some of us that means learning actually how to speak about the goodness of God. Sometimes it means digging in and finding the goodness of God again for ourselves. Because every time we face a challenge, every time we face a trial, sometimes it's easy to let go of the things we know that are good about God and lose a little bit of that hope, that conviction to speak that message. For some of us, it means finding the boldness to actually serve, love and build relationships that will open doors for those conversations and not ones that are just for the sake of saying what you want to say. So there's something about that fear-based message that wants to tell people that they're wrong but we know the right answer. But when you have to build a relationship with someone, when you love them, when you actually become friends with them, not just with an agenda, but genuinely. See, to love people, it can't be with a motive. It can't be conditional on them responding to your invitation to church. But genuine love says, even if you don't choose this, or even if you don't want to hear me, or even if you want to, you know, run me into the ground because of what I believe or or whatever it is, genuine love says I still care. But I can share with conviction because I've seen it that sometimes it takes, you know, a few months, sometimes it takes 10 or 15 years, but eventually that genuine love speaks to the heart louder than all the doubts and all the disillusionment louder than all of the things that have showed them all the things that are wrong with the world that hope for something being right that desire to be connected with God that knowledge that we are created to be in relationship with him it overrides And ask the band to come and join me as I finish. See, so, church, our challenge is to know the good news and to go with the good news. Our challenge is to be intentional about doing so, whether that's inviting someone to church, whether that is actually beginning to get a hold of the vision that the church has to serve our community and being able to bear witness to those things as you go out into your workplace as you go out to your friends to be able to talk about the things that the church is doing in the name of Jesus that actually bear witness to who he is. See, this is why I don't find it hard to share the gospel anymore because I have this way of being able to see who he is because of Everyday encounters I have with people who I know it's only because of the way that God has loved us who are here serving in the church that He's able to love others through various people in this church. And I can tell people about the things that are happening because of that. And more often than not, the kind of response you get is, I don't is not something like I don't want anything to do with that rubbish or, you know, some of the stuff that you get when you um, speak or maybe kind of take the fear-based way of of sharing with someone. But what happens when you reveal the good that God can do in and through a life and the incredible hope for the world that he has... More often than not, people say, well, that's a kind of God that I would want something to do with. And yes, ultimately, it will come down to a moral choice, a choice in their heart where they then come to a point of realising that it takes self-sacrifice to live. That call of love, see, it's appealing from the outside, but when the call comes to say you need to lay down your life for others to live that love, then they have to make that choice. Then they have to face, you know, those same choices we all have to face because it's not an easy road just because it's good news. but it draws people the same way Jesus drew people. I love the chapters that go on, and I'm looking forward to preaching some of them over the next month or so, where it says that sinners and tax collectors gathered with Jesus. It actually in, at one point says, like, desperate sinners, disreputable sinners, Those that the world rejected and said weren't good enough for anybody. Those that thought they were so bad and everyone else thought they were so bad that they wanted nothing to do with them. People questioned why he was with them. But it said they came to him, they were drawn to him. The religious leaders said, why do you associate with such people? And he said, these are the people that need it. See, the hope of the world. And yes, it is a hope for eternity. I'm not just saying it's only for now. See, the Bible promises us that one day all things Will be made new. I love the way Ephesians puts it, the heaven and earth collide. speaks about a resurrection where the dead will be raised to life. And we begin to get that picture that we see in Revelations 21 where there will be no weeping, there will be no pain and we will be reunited with those. That we miss that hope is all there as well but we are being robbed of the influence we have in this world if we're just hanging out till then we're being robbed of all that god can do to influence the lives of those around us when we're just in a waiting game for something god's going to do because jesus said he's already done it it's here this is the good news good news for now good news for eternity good news for kings and rulers and authorities good news for those at the grammy awards and in hollywood and in mega churches and good news for everyday people good news for our kids in kids church Good news for the people who come in here on a daily basis looking for something to eat. Good news for students that have disengaged from normal education and who are not getting any help anywhere else that walk into the church looking for a place where someone will give them the time of day. Good news for the poor. Good news for the brokenhearted, for those that are mourning. Good news for those whose families are separated and struggling. Good news for those that feel alone. Good news for the fisherman's mother-in-law, for the tax collectors and sinners. Good news for me. And you. Good news that we can share with a person standing next to us because it's not so far removed from us. And that's why I love the way that Jesus shared who he was. That's why I love the way that God came into the world in such an ordinary way that he could encounter ordinary people and that those of us who... Are just ordinary people can share. Would you stand, church? See, next week we're going to talk about some of the things that we get to do as a church, some of the wins and losses, and how we're going to move forward. We're going to talk about the plans we get to share some of the ways that we're going to take a step of faith into what God is calling us to do. And for that, I'm excited. I encourage you, if you're a committed member of the church, we'd love you to be here. We're going to put on lunch after church so you can stay. We don't do it in church because we hope that sometime this week you're inviting someone to come along and they don't want to sit ne- sit through our... Uh, finance report but you who love the church who serve the church who give maybe you don't really want to either but I do I I understand that but it's important and it actually really does matter what we do with what God has placed in our hand Um, and so for you to know and be able to pray uh, And even to have the confidence knowing what it is that we do with what is provided to us so that you could declare the goodness of God with the same confidence I do in just describing what your church is like when you speak to other people. Or when you talk about who God is and they say, well, how could he ever do that in the world? And then you can say, well, the answer is his church and this is how I see it happening today. I think one of the greatest conversations I had with a friend about Jesus and the hope that he brings to the world this message of restoration, she asked, how could that ever happen with the way people are? And it was so easy to answer that as we hear and respond to who Jesus teaches us to be. The world begins to work like that. It begins to look more like the kingdom every time someone forgives, every time someone stays true to their word, every time someone loves over and above, every time someone reaches and and gives out of their excess, every time someone makes things fairer for those around them. Every time someone stands up for the oppressed, every time we follow Jesus, the world looks more like what God intended. So I'm going to hand over to Katie. She's
1: going to lead us in communion this morning. Hi, church. So as we come before the communion table this morning, uh, let's keep our focus on the good news that Tara just spoke about, how the kingdom of God is near. That no matter where you're at with God right now, you can come forward and receive communion. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to come before God and reflect on what Jesus did on the cross but also what Jesus is doing within us and through us today, that we can take this everyday message of good news out and put it into the action in our lives. So this is the table, not of the church but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have a little, you who have been here often and you who are here for the first time, You who have tried to follow Jesus, you who failed in following Jesus, and you who have just decided to follow Jesus for the first time, come. Let nothing keep you from love's feast. Let nothing empty this table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now, if necessary, and go be a forgiver and then run back. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is God's will that those who desire Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit should encounter him here. So come.